On November 6, 1946, all the brothels in France were officially closed after having been given six months' notice that their business establishments were being outlawed. Prostitution was still legal, although active solicitation of services had been outlawed as well. Even in this diminished state, with sex workers only able to passively solicit themselves by wearing revealing clothing and loitering in areas already known for prostitution, this group of workers was inadvertently responsible for the creation of one of the 500 songs that shaped rock and roll. A group of Parisian sex workers made this song come to light by unwittingly aiding the police. Stuart Copeland, Andy Summers, and Sting were living in a hotel in one of the seedier parts of Paris while playing regular shows at a local joint, the Nashville Club, in 1977. The band was hurting at the time as their first and only single, released the previous year through an independent label, had flopped. The band needed a win, and the hotel was able to help them get that win through two major sources of inspiration in the form of the sex workers that occupied the area and a poster in the foyer for the classic play Cyrano de Bergerac. Quote, those two conflicting ideas of this beautiful name and this very, very elegant courtly romance and what was going on in the hotel just lit a torch under me. I went to my room, picked up the guitar, and imagined this woman into life, said Sting. Sting took the song to guitarist Andy Summers and then to drummer Stuart Copeland, and together the band hashed out the track in a North London basement. The final piece was slow, quiet, and melodic, a departure from the rest of the album, which had a distinctly more punk edge. This wouldn't have been a problem if not for the fact that Stuart's brother, Miles Copeland, wanted to hear the whole album. Quote, I didn't think much more about it until we played the album to Miles Copeland, who is, of course, Stuart's brother, and a bit of an entrepreneur, though he'd never been particularly interested in the police. In fact, he'd kept away from it, to say the least. He did come along to the sessions while we were putting together the first album, but more or less just to offer brotherly advice to Stuart. He heard the album and quite liked it. When we got to this song, we were a bit embarrassed because the song was a bit of an anachronism, said Sting. Another quote. Miles Copeland came down to hear us and we were kind of embarrassed to play it for him because Miles had blinders on and was into fast and furious punk. But much to his credit, he said, this is great, a knockout. I was really surprised. And he took it to A&M and got a contract for one single. I don't think it ever broke the top 40 in America, but eventually it became the police signature tune, said Summers. The single was released in the UK in 1978 with A&M, but failed to chart, perhaps due in part to the BBC's refusal to play a song about a sex worker. Despite this, an American release was okayed and gave the song some exposure, allowing it to slowly climb to the number 32 spot on the Billboard chart. Luckily, this was just enough success to justify a re-release in the UK in 1979, where the song would reach number 12. The song has certainly made its mark from there, appearing in everything from greatest rock and roll song lists to renditions in movies including 48 Hours and Moulin Rouge, and TV shows like Friends, CSI, Raising Hope, Two and a Half Men, The Office, and Community. That's right, we're talking Roxanne by the police on Lover Me. Roxanne, you don't have to put on the red light, those days are over. That's right, it's Lover Me, the only podcast that compares famous love songs to their many cover versions to find out which one wouldn't talk down to you. I'm your host, as always, The Snake, joined by my streetwalking co-host... Alex Mildenberger. Alex Mildenberger. What's going on? Uh, What is going on? You know, life's happening. Life's happening. It is... uh, It is... We're getting hit by another wave of winter. A winter wave. Which wave? I said a winter wave. Winter wave, yep. Yep. Um, and, uh, yeah, got to see, uh, could say, yeah, 
Think things are good. Things good. How you doing? Things are good. Things are good. Things yeah, are good. I think we're I think we're getting hit by a wave of winter here. <laughs> I just came back, you know, from plus forty weather. Right. You were so, in Southeast Asia. Yeah. So like everything's cooled to me. My body's confused. Um, I often on my breaks, I go to a local park that's like a five minute walk from my office, and just the uh, the sheer array of like different layers you'll see people wearing. <laughs> Everything from shorts and a yep. t-shirt yep. to me, who I'm like three layers deep, <laughs> like it's, winter jacket, buttoned up, toque, mitts. It's, I mean, it's quite a sight. The, the weather around any given time is like so important because we, we went, we had like a super cold snap last month and it mm-hmm. went, we were down like minus 40 with the wind chill kind of thing. Like it yeah, doesn't yeah. usually get that cold here. And then as it was warming up, it was like minus 10. It was like, oh, it's nice now. <laughs> Yeah, you're like, oh but now goodness. if it went to minus 10, which it did, it's like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, go, if you like, go in there oh from goodness. zero, it's very different. It does. It takes the body like time to adjust. And I think the, the most unfortunate thing, I think, and it's just part of not living in Calgary anymore, is I no longer have any memory of like minus 30 weather. My body has forgotten that. Yeah. So even though my brain remembers and like I can logically say like, well, it's, you know, it's five degrees out here or whatever. It's not yeah. cold. My body doesn't understand that anymore. <laughs> you try to like convince it. Yeah. It's, no, it's just okay. like, no, dude, we're, just, we're fucking dying. I'm like, we have done worse than this. We've <laughs> been through so much worse wearing the same amount of layers. Yeah. And it's, it's just, there's no fighting it. It's like, let's go back to Bali. How about we do that? Yeah. It's like, let's hop on the plane. Then hop on another plane, and then yes, hop on a third plane <laughs> to get to Bali. <laughs> and honestly, baby, I'm willing. But we're not here to talk about that. No. We're talking about a place that's only two plane rides away from me, Paris, and more importantly, Roxanne, the song inspired by that place and the yeah. workers there. Alex, the police. The police. Um, first question about the police, Alex. Does a cab apply here? <laughs> are they cops or are they just police? Um. Yeah, I don't know exactly. I wonder, is it like an ironic name where they're like, because they're like, I mean, it, they're called New Wave, which is kind of, you know, gets associated with punk. So they're a bit like at least slightly rebellious, maybe not. Yeah, anymore. and they consider themselves, there's a quote from Stuart Copeland. He says, we were a punk band officially. Yeah, and like New Wave is, uh, I mean, I've heard it said New Wave is just like punk, but it didn't necessarily fit the aesthetics of what the record labels wanted to call punk. Because, punk? Yeah, I mean, I we say record that. label, but it's, you know, it was like the public image of what punk was. Because, yeah, it was still like, New Wave was, you know, and because it was a new wave, of like, it was yeah. pushing away a lot of the pop, like, understanding of music, both in terms of musicality and, like, topics and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. So, like, it was punk in that sense. It wasn't just, it just wasn't distorted guitars and, like, denim vests necessarily. And just, yeah, so. and, like, chugging power chords kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I can see those being, like, two sides of the same coin, at least to an extent. Like, yeah, they're from that same, like, kind of theology, same background, that same ideal in some ways. But, uh, yeah, the police dog. Uh, new Wave. You big police fan? You big police head? Uh, I, I, I like the police. Uh, I feel like I never got super into the police. Uh, you know, I check out Synchronicity or whatever. Um, but that's kind of it. Like, I'm looking now at, like, police and we talked about the police years ago for yeah, uh, a, every little thing she does is magic with our good friend jesse crossley with our good friend jesse. jesse um and but even that's like later like this is very early um, yeah this is the yeah. debut album of the police yeah 
And yeah, so to get back to their name, it is also like doubly funny that because sometimes after Sting has a solo career, there are best of albums where it's like best of Sting and the police. Yeah, that's such a strange thing. Some people think that that, that's the name. But a Sting is also like a police operation. So that is kind of funny that (laughs) (laughs) that even like separated, they're still weirdly cop coded. Yeah, that is unusual. Um I'm also okay. This is weird. I was clicking around the police a- area of uh, title, mm-hmm. um, and if you go to Zenyatta Mandata, which is like their third album, okay, the album yeah. artwork is animated. That's weird. Oh right? shit! Yeah, look at that. They I've seen it happen for some albums on title. It's usually not quite like this. Sometimes it'll just be like a like a shine effect that starts from like the top left corner and works diagonally down to the right. This is anyway, just thought that was weird and I got distracted by it. Um, it is distracting, but yeah, I like the police. I mean, I can, I like the, you know, the police kind of big songs. I remember, um, we used to like way back in junior high school, we'd go to the mall mm-hmm. to play uh, guitar hero two on the demo Course. cabinets. Um, yeah. and we would play message in a bottle a lot. Oh yeah. Um, so fun times. Fun times. At a song EB I Games. later learned to play on bass because I was like, well, you gotta play the police bum, bum, on the bass. Bum, 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 bum. Yeah. yeah. Police stuff. to me was a big teenage band. Um yeah. also a big later smoking weed to band. Yeah. <laughs> Partially I think due to their their like reggae roots and intonation. I guess so, yeah. They have that reggae, which I didn't really know about early I, I wouldn't have known about at the time. Yeah, you don't know it. Because it's one of those things where, like, this is classic rock. Yeah. Like, exactly. Okay, this is rock and roll. And then you listen to it later when you have a little bit more understanding of music. You're like, like, even Sting's vocals, he puts on, like, not, it's not a patois, technically. Right. But it is like, if a white person were to have a patois, it would, this is what it would be. Right. It's, it's like, different enough that it's not, like, doesn't sound, like, offensive. But you're like, okay, I kind of see where that, and, like, it just came across as, like, a bit stilted, maybe. Or unusual yeah. or unique. Um, for for Sting, but then you can kind of see that that influence. That exactly, because like, even on this, he he has that quality. It kind of it permeates all the work. It's such a strange feature. Um, but I also feel like, and this is not to to denigrate the band, but they feel like the equivalent of YA novels. Their music, it's like oh. kind of edgy, like it's a little more mature than like a a bubblegum pop song. But there is. Also, something kind of just like not that deep about them. I, I, yeah, I think I agree, and like kind of has the drama. Like I'm just thinking of like every breath you take or uh, mm-hmm. don't stand so close to me, which don't very so much close to me. feel like that sort of drama, like like heightened like melodrama. Yeah, there's heightened melodrama to it, and it's not in the same sense as like pop punk or something, where it feels like it is coming from like a, a a high schooler or like somebody who's in that awkward phase. It feels like it's crafted by somebody a little older, um, like Sting. And like Sting, yeah. and what's the other one? Uh, can't stand losing you. Right. The height of melodrama and like can't, teenage angst. That was. <laughs> I mean, you were just t- talking about like that punk thing, and they were talking about how Roxanne was a bit different, and they thought the rest of the album was like more punk. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm looking at the album, and it's like, can't stand losing you, really? Like that's what they were thinking of. I can't stand losing you. Actually, yeah, I can't stand losing you. Sounds pretty close to Roxanne. Yeah, maybe that was later or something. And I don't know. Maybe Orlando uh, Semor uh, very well, except for like this one, can't stand yeah. losing you next to you. 
which is like more punky. A some more synchronicity. Mother's yeah. a weird song. And then, because yeah. yeah, you've got this one. You got Roxanne and um, "Don't Stand So Close to Me," which are like both kind of like ooh, twisted love songs. It's right. this guy loves a, a sex worker. This guy is having an affair with a student. <laughs> um, and that's I am talking shit. I think they're done pretty well, though. Yeah, like the police. Uh, Everyone's on, like, ah, Sting, you. Yeah, it's almost because you're big. You're like Paul Simon. And Sting and Paul Simon, I think, have some similar uh, trajectories. Yeah, um, fair enough. They both get into world music. I would say, if anything, I mean, Paul Simon does not have the edge. I don't mean the guitar player. There's no, there's like, without the edge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Paul Simon is much uh much softer, a little more vulnerable, yeah. I guess. And maybe you approach. think Sting's edge is a bit cheesy, but like there's still something there. There's still something there, and like the same way I would still consider a YA author an author, I still consider right. like and like possibly a stronger I still see the police and like Sting's work as being good. Uh, right. like even this song this week I think is is very good and even like even the way it's written, it's He's, he works with unreliable narrators, I think, a lot in songs like this, in songs like Can't Stand Losing You. We get a sense of the narrator and the fact that they're maybe not, like, all okay up there. Okay. Yeah. Um, with that said, let's talk about Roxanne, your connection to this. This song feels like it was always around forever, and it feels like a pillar of rock and roll. Yeah, it was definitely one of the early ones that I would have, like, heard getting into classic rock. And one of the first of the police, I feel I have this vague memory of like that my sister would have potentially introduced this to me. I know um, I probably would have heard it before this, but I know my sister was really into Moulin Rouge. Yeah, mine as well. Um, so then that would have definitely like brought it into the household. and Yeah, probably like reestablished it because I guarantee you would have heard it on like classic rock radio. Yeah, and like then this Moulin and Rouge. Message in a Bottle, like 100%. Yeah, 100%. And then this kind of just like puts it back in the limelight for a bit. Uh, but let's talk about these lyrics, Alex. Yeah. Let's talk. Let's talk about what's going on in this song. Um, it begins. It's very simple. It, it gives you the premise right at the start. Ugh, right at the start. Uh, Roxanne, you don't have to put on the red light. Those days are over. You don't have to sell your body to the night. Yeah, I mean, we're getting in with the story already, right? Because it's like very much this conversation. He's talking to mm-hmm. Roxanne and he's telling her, hey, you don't need to do that anymore because I don't want you to, perhaps, or like I don't think it's necessary. So he doesn't yeah. even say like, you know, because I can make the money or whatever, you know, like we have the financial means to get by. It's mostly, he's mostly talking about himself. Yeah, that's that's and that's what I think makes like this narrator sort of unreliable, sort of interesting, mm-hmm. is that as much as he is putting out this sort of what seems to the the average listener, be like, oh yeah, well he's here now. You don't have to put on the red light. We know nothing about this guy. We don't know if he makes money or not. We just right. know that he kind of doesn't want her to do this, and that really solidifies in verse two when he's like, I know my mind is made up. Right. So it's like he in he seems like he's uh, quite a like a, a good noble character at first, but then he's like, "Listen, this is my mind's made up, so this is the way it's got to be." He's not exactly the most understanding lover, right? Even if indeed he is a lover, because we don't actually know if they're even in a relationship. That's true. Doesn't seem to be much consideration for that. 
other mm-hmm. than unless they're like maybe he's a, a client as well, right? Like that would be the most likely yeah. encounter, right? He's like leave this life behind and run away with me, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's yeah, fallen in love with a sex worker, which is a story we hear. Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes it's it's the plot of the hit movie Pretty Woman. Ah, classic. Pretty Woman. Cla- classic Disney film, Pretty Woman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but it gives you the premise right away. Uh, we know this woman, Roxanne. She's a sex worker. Uh, and the narrator, we know, doesn't want her to do sex work anymore. Boom. Yeah. Done. Roxanne, you don't have to wear that dress tonight. Walk the streets for money. You don't care if it's wrong or if it's right. Yeah, he gets into a little bit of, I guess, like the moral side of it. Yeah. Um implying that he thinks it's wrong. He's like, you don't care if it's wrong or right. Right. But I think there's some implication there, right? Yeah, because if it wasn't, if it was right, he wouldn't bring that up, right? Right. Or if he thought it was right. Yeah, why even say anything? Um, Which also is like, I mean, how how do you know that? Like, Yeah, that's... What do you, yeah, what do you know about this, her line of work? Yeah. And you, you haven't given any thought to the potential consequences of this uh, fairly dangerous, like, profession. Yeah, that's how I would open this plea. I'd be like, listen, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's fucking rough out there. <laughs> and yeah. I know you've made it this far, but maybe if I'm here, we can look at other options. Yeah. But no, he's just straight up like, listen, you're doing this job and you don't even care about the moral consequences. Which, to some extent, suggests that she, in this in this conversation, wants to continue doing her work. Yeah. Maybe she likes it. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Perhaps. Perhaps. Uh, pre-chorus is more of just the, the first line of the song. Roxanne, you don't have to put on the red light. Roxanne, you don't have to put on the red light. Yeah. The chorus is just that repeated. <laughs> yeah, a lot. You just kinda, it just kind of builds from there. So it gets quite repetitive at that point. Um, yeah. Red light, of course, referring uh, another um, reference to. Uh, yeah, I district. guess like a red light district. Mm-hmm. This was how, I, and I guess possibly part of this passive solicitation was that you would just put in red lights so people would know that this was the place to get sex. Is that where it, is it come from, like France? Um, you know? it could be. France is a very strong. I like. I I read a Wikipedia article and I was like, oh, there's a pretty strong history in France of, of sex workers. Yeah, I think it comes from kind of brothel culture in general. Maybe yeah. stemmed from France is. It's definitely European in nature. Yeah, I'm sure there's like many, many decades or centuries of like history there across different areas and things. But yeah, basically, red light district. Red light district. That's what he means by put on the red light. Because some people might be confused, like, well, the red light means stop in terms of traffic. Yeah, I wonder, because, like, I feel like when I first heard this song, I wouldn't have known Red Light District. I certainly wouldn't have. Like, eight years old or something. So I probably thought it meant stopping, right? Right, you don't have to stop. Yeah, anyway. Interesting. Yeah. But I also, yeah, definitely didn't get that it was about sex work. Mm-hmm. So First, fun. yeah, so I was like, yeah, she doesn't that, need to do something anymore. Like, Not yeah, sure tell, tell Roxanne she's got to do that anymore. I don't know what it is, yeah. but <laughs> he feels very strongly about it. 
Um, and actually leads to this quote I have where he says, I felt, I felt very strongly about Roxanne because that was a serious song about a real relationship. There was no talk about fucking in it. It wasn't a smutty song in any sense of the word. It was a real song with a real felt lyric, and they wouldn't play it. He's referring to the BBC here on the grounds that it was about a prostitute. But write a silly song about fucking that hasn't got the word fucking in it, and you've got a hit. Gets a bit depressing, said Sting. Yeah, I mean, that's also a funny era to to read about because there's so much stuff they like refuse to play oh yeah for what seemed like just really <laughs> silly reasons uh like mundane things um and now taylor swift can say fuck that's right so that's just how it goes because she's our president now she's yeah, our it's, president. It's, it's interesting to see how the trends she's change. who i voted for <laughs> president of the united states of america <laughs> yeah it was uh, just in an online poll. It was no effect on the actual election, but I put in my vote. I did my part. <laughs> I'm doing my part. I'm doing my part. Uh, uh, the pre-chorus and the chorus, though, really are for the more for the music than for the lyricism. Yeah, so we'll get they, to that. We'll get to that. Uh, verse two, though. I loved you since I knew you. I wouldn't talk down to you. I have to tell you just how I feel. I won't share you with another boy. Um, so this is where you might imply depending on how you want to take new you that he's loved her since the first time he bought her services yeah definitely presenting this like love at first sight you were talking about like heightened melodrama Mm -hmm. stuff that's kind of where that comes into love at first sight idea yeah which is not like that doesn't come up in pop songs but um this is edgy this is yeah this is your edgy pop song this is Uh, the ya pop song yeah and also the i mean says i wouldn't talk down to you uh you were talking about unreliable narrators um and i feel like especially after the part before he says you don't care if it's wrong or if it's right like that's the last thing he said to her yeah he's like i'm not talking down to you but it's also like you're saying it feels a bit like he is yeah anyway um and because there is theory, like there's some theoretically healthy things in here. I think if they sure, are sure. actively engaging a relationship, him being like, I don't want to share you with other people is technically a fine, like a uh, stance to have. But then to be like, well, my mind's made up, put away your makeup, told you once, I won't tell you again. It's a bad way. Right. I guess that's kinda, where he does say it's a bad way. So that's where he says it's wrong. Right. Perhaps. He really, yeah, he lays out that it is wrong. Uh, but yeah, so he kind of pretends to be like caring, understanding, looking out for her best interests. But in doing that, he does what he says he's not doing, which is talking down to her. Yeah. And like ordering her to do this. Yeah. Put away your makeup. Told you once. I won't tell you again is something you hear from your parents. Like, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which I guess that's kind of also talking about song progression. Like there's only really the two verses, maybe four, depending on how you count it. Um, yeah. And yeah, it really starts from that, like starting the conversation to that point where he says, like, I've made my mind up and yeah. like, this is my like ultimatum kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, also interesting. He doesn't say Roxanne in the second verse. I don't know. That's why right. That's interesting, but that is because he says it twice in the first verse. Yeah, that feels I mean, it, maybe that's part of to me. That feels like the start of the conversation. Yeah, and like then, calling her attention. You're like, Roxanne, listen, I want to yeah. talk about this. And then this is like the kind of like he's grabbing her by the shoulders, talking yeah. down to her. So, I mean, obviously, this is the sort of thing you would want to talk about if there is a relationship going on. Mm-hmm. But also if he's just, again, like a, a client or whatever. Yeah. 
Yeah, there is like uh, yeah, there is like an un, unhinged vibe to him where he's like, "I saw you're the most beautiful woman I, I've maybe never seen a sex worker before or <laughs> seen a woman in enough makeup. I don't know. It's just like I'm crazy about you. You don't have to do this. We can do whatever it is I do for like like he's just yeah he's a bit caught up in whatever romance is in his head perhaps. Mm-hmm. And then maybe this context maybe this conversation contextualizes the courses where he's like he's told her this. And it maybe to serve as a conclusion, she then walks out, and so the rest is him just screaming, like after, yeah, after being like, "You don't have to do this. Come back!" Like, <laughs> but and I mean, yeah, the repetition too, because like he says, like I won't tell you again, but then like he keeps doing like, "You don't have to do it. You don't have to do it." You know? Yeah, yeah. The course is him just yeah stating his thesis again. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do this. Um, which implies that she is doing it regardless of those pleas. Yeah, perhaps. So, I mean, that's that's the story of the song. Um, and that's, yeah, I do like that idea of, I mean, it's yeah, it's interesting because it is very, like, it's just him. Like, Roxanne doesn't really have a part in this song. Mm-hmm. She's being spoken to the whole time. Yeah, she really doesn't have a voice in this what is theoretically a, a two-person conversation. Yeah. Um, so, that's interesting. It's interesting. I, I like, yeah, pretty tight. Like, yeah. It, it's got all the elements you need to get the story. You don't really need a conclusion. Like, if this wasn't, I mean, you could use this in like a high school or a junior high, like language arts slash English class. It's got all the elements you need. It's better than that fucking story about a kid getting stabbed in the alleyway. Like what? You know, that's for you, Royal. He's it's better than that. No, I remember that story. <laughs> I think I think in terms of like story elements, it's you get called on the sidewalk bleeding. Bleeding. Just, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's the name of the story. You are correct. Um, <laughs> shout out to that story. I only know that that story is still being taught because uh, my sister once had to teach that story in class. She's like, we had to teach this dumb story on the sidewalk bleeding. I was like, oh, yeah, that's for you. Royal. Like, <laughs> I know that one. Oh, man. <laughs> Yeah, I think this could. I think you could use this in an English class, and it would be like a, one a way to kind of be like, hey kids, here's something a little edgy, yeah. and also like a way to teach English and like poetry and shit. Because there's so like things to read into, even though things not to read a into. It's not too complex. Yeah, it's it's YA baby. Yeah, not yeah. bad. Not bad. And what does it sound like? Interestingly, it's supposed to be bossa nova. Originally, it was supposed to be bossa nova, which means new wave. And then Stuart Copeland kind of gets his hands on it and throws a tango beat on it. And then to our ears, when we were children, it sounded like rock and roll. But in actuality, it's it's more of like a reggae beat behind it is what it. Yeah, kind of interesting Um, Mm -hmm. because like it doesn't really sound like it's got that. It's got what is like. skank like on the guitar guitar yeah but it's not on the back beat right so they're like playing that just on the down beat but like which is not that much of a change because like if the first thing be like okay we got a skank what are we gonna do what are we gonna do to change it like well you could shift it by you know half a step yeah just put it there instead of there and uh that's what's happening that's what's happening and then we get two elements that I thought were met, were put in just to kind of like give us some sinister energy. It turns out to just be a happy, silly mistake in the studio. 
Oh, I'm talking talking about the, the butt beginning. piano. Butt piano, yeah, which uh, is apparently in the credits. Yeah, apparently in the liner notes. Um, does it appear on title? Oh, liner notes. No, it's not in title. Okay, that would be so funny. <laughs> At least, well, I didn't look at the original album. Hang on. No, no, you don't need to hang on. I'm hanging on. Oh my gosh, you're hanging on. All I'm right. hanging on. Uh, going to the albums. Uh, 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 albums. Here we go. I don't know some more. Uh, I was more. just looking at the credits here. I was like, "Hang on a minute." It's crediting vocals to some guy named Gordon Summer. It's <laughs> 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 Dick. Yeah, his real name. Yeah. Okay. There's no butt piano in the credits in title. Yeah, no, they're, they're not there. But uh, apparently, on the original album, on the vinyl, you see the, the liner notes, but piano. Sting sat on a on a piano that was in the studio that he thought was like closed, like the the keys weren't exposed. And then you get that, and then he laughs. He goes, ha 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 ha. Yeah, and like it, I don't know. It's such a weird thing. Like it seems to fit the song so well. Maybe because mm-hmm. I've heard it a million times. And yeah, like you said, it's a little sinister because it's like a background laugh. Yeah, and the, they're sort of talking about this like too. somewhat shady thing. You know, it's it's like um, questionably <laughs> legal activity, right? Yeah, it really sets the mood. It's bizarre because it is this weird accident that didn't have those intentions. Uh, yeah, I, and I didn't even didn't even really register before. Mm-hmm. Like it's there, and you just hear the like, it's just like a blob of sound. Yeah, I never really, I noticed the laugh. I never really noticed the butt piano. Yeah, me neither. (laughs) And it's such like spaced out laugh too. Yeah. It is not a giggle. Sting does not giggle. Sting is not a man who giggles. Um, so some good power trio work here. We got we got three lads yep. on the track, and they're all yep. they're all putting in. I think some good effort here. Yeah, I mean they're all I, I'm most familiar with Sting, of course, and then like mm-hmm. I think Stuart Copeland secondary secondarily, just because he did some of their stuff, like wrote some of the police songs that I know, and like yeah, I think he did the the Spyro the Dragon soundtrack. That's fun. I believe that. Yeah, he's an interesting character. He's a very like he's a very British like uh like musician where they're like kind of buttoned down and you're like, this is the guy who's, you know, hammering the drums while I was screaming about putting on the red light. Yeah. But um I saw some clips from him this week and he's like, Oh yeah, he's just, he's like taking Reddit questions and like, showing <laughs> people different drum beats and stuff. You're like, this dude's chill as hell. <laughs> yeah, and like good drummer too. Like uh he gets brought up, I think I've heard him, you know, and like I've that's cl- definitely I've heard his strong name. Strong classic rock drummers, which is not what they, they say, best drummers of all time, but yeah. Um <laughs> and uh remembering playing police songs in rock band, they were often quite difficult on the drums. So yeah. that's usually my reference. <laughs> Yeah, it's he's definitely one I always think of when I'm like tough drums. Uh, it's got to be like Stuart Copeland. Like he's got some stuff going on there. So yeah, cool guy. I like him too. Um, I don't know much about Andy Summers besides Me the neither. fact that he plays guitar. Yeah, he's definitely my blind spot on in this band. Um, yeah. So, but it's a pretty simple setup. First, you get that yeah. that off reggae uh, guitar sting. Yeah. Then the sort of drums and bass play pretty sparsely because the bass is doing this like doom doom. Just like two notes at a time. Bump, bump. Yeah. Bump, bump. It almost feels like there should be a third, like it's skipping the first one. Yeah. Bump, bump, bump. You know, that's what I'm saying in my head, but it doesn't play that first note. Bump, bump. Yeah, I always feel like there should be like, bump, bump, bump. Something else. Like like it needs a second pair or something, but yeah. Which 
I mean, one of the things in the um, Wikipedia page, and now I'm trying to find it, uh, was talking about how like Sting was having trouble like getting the notes in just the right place, so he was like working with the other guys. Yeah, because um, it seems like Copeland kind of like took head, took lead on the rhythm for this one. Yeah. And so he was like, the rhythm's like this. You've got to be hitting your notes like here and here, and so it was a real process of him like helping Sting adapt to this different rhythm. Yeah, especially when you're also singing. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's got to be tough. Um, um, it is tough. I've done that, not professionally, yeah. but, <laughs> but attempted, attempted, uh, and yeah, some some bassists will often do a simplified, like live version, a simplified bass track, just so that they can better manage the two. Yes, I think uh, Sting does that. But I've seen the recorded version; it's just the straight up thing, and it is still pretty simple. Um. Yeah, so that's the intro. Um, drums mostly like on the hi hat. I guess you know varying levels of open. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's it. I think. That's it. And then the big thing, which you're gonna hear a lot of, is the bum bum, the big like kind of dissolve fan out at the end of phrases. So that's where the guitar stops doing the really tight yes. things and lets it ring dun, out. Dun. The, the drums hit a fucking cymbal. They, you know, they do a tight drum roll. Yeah, but it lets it fade right, and then. Mm-hmm there's nothing and then we get the lyrics right and you kind of get that and it's just like slow right i feel like that's so iconic delivery right Mm -hmm. of like you don't have to yeah because they give you the space to really take in all of sting's vocals on this he's got a good voice so it like comes off really nice so as a first single even though it wasn't technically their first single but as a first single it's like it's strong, you know, because they're really getting themselves across. Yeah, you really get to hear, like, every individual component of this band. And, like, the guitar doesn't really get, like, a show of skills. But the drums on this and, and Sting's vocals, I think, really get. Maybe not. But I feel that, like, the dr- guitar's still really holding it down and, like, has a good sound to it. Oh, for sure. It's just you don't get, like, a ripping guitar solo right. or some kind of, like, virtuoso shit. You do just get, like, solid playing. Yeah guess yeah not very flashy um mm-hmm. so yeah this is when we're getting on the verse everything does come back very similar to the intro drums are a little different there's sort of like a kick drum playing now yeah a little more active now a little more life to them yeah um and then the only other thing is that like because it's sort of like a two half verse um they do roxanne again but they like have to cut down again so they do the bum bum and yeah. they cut down and then kind of and they do down. always cut down and give sting a little space to like continue singing without instruments or with just the fade out of the instruments yeah so you get get a bit of that drama on either end of the phrase right? as everything kind of blends together at the end yeah without leaving like gaps mm-hmm. um and of course like you mentioned sting kind of has his his uh delivery um which Walk is the streets for money like it's yeah. <laughs> you'll hear a lot of uh covers of this that are like latin or you know like non-english covers and yeah. it's i think there's something about his vocals that appeal to that like fits because it sounds like he has like a non-specific um like accent yeah like he's doing just like foreign like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like oh, i'm not not quite white you're like all right this guy could play any role in a movie <laughs> This guy could play any role. Yeah, put him that, in a metal like, speedo. Yeah, put him in a metal speedo. <laughs> put him on an alien planet. An alien planet, and just have him. Di- he fights. Uh, oh my gosh. Um, 
Uh, What's his name? Guy, Kyle uh, McLaughlin? That's right. In yes, that Kyle movie? McLaughlin. With yeah. a knife? Yeah. That's a Dune, little Dune reference. Little Dune reference. He does that, and then it's crazy to see him in Lord of the Rings with, you know, Elijah Wood just handling him. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same knife, actually. the same blade uh, in both movies. That's right. <laughs> um... We move into the pre-chorus after this. Yeah. Uh, allegedly. Yeah, there's a build. There's a build here. Like, the there drums a mostly. Like, there's more. There's the a drums. ride cymbal that comes in. Yes. Um, And, of course, this is where we start to repeat the line. Uh, yeah. But it sounds still like pretty similar. Yeah, it's like a little extra life dun, from those drums. Dun, 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 dun. And then it's, yeah, to the, it's, the, we then do the kind of, like, fake you out on that fade at the end. Dun, 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 it's another one, just like last week's Mickey has like the dumbest and easiest possible pre-chorus to chorus shift you can have. Yeah. It's like, dun, 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 dun. this is the other like dumbest version where it's like, everything just plays a little faster like, now. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like everything kind of stops and then like it's dun, 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 like start to strum, um, build up over that last measure or so. Yeah. And then that's, yeah, that's the chorus. You get to the chorus and everything is like even. We don't have that um, guitar sting anymore. It's just like very straight 4-4. Four, four. Everything feels like. Yeah. Straight forward. The bass is just rolling on a. Yeah. Yeah. It's so the simple vocals. And yeah, the backups, which is, I think is yeah. mostly a lot of sting. But doing the like Roxanne, 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 Roxanne. It's not, that's not the right um, tune, but. That's close enough. And then, but with that, you then get like the big sting parts that it, it, it's the contrast between them makes his much heavier performance here sound that much heavier. Put on the red light, Roxanne, put on the True. red light. Yeah, they're very like soft compared to the lead. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they just keep it they keep it simple for the chorus. Yeah, if you wonder like it's it's kind of punk and this is the punkest you get in terms of composition because it is very like just simple kind of rolling. It's all about just keeping that steady rhythm going. Yeah, it's interesting because I feel like it doesn't feel punk, but you're right, it that's like the most punk part. Mm-hmm. It's just like it's and because I think it's done in things other than punk, but it's it's done to give the chorus a lot of energy. And I mean, this is if you go to any police concert or sting show, because he still does it solo. Mm-hmm. Actually, he doesn't really do the chorus when he's doing it solo from what I've not the one we to. heard, not the one we heard. Maybe on other ones he does. But I assume during police shows, this is when you get the audience fucking screaming with you. Because it's that kind of chorus. Very simple. Roxanne put on the red light. Roxanne put on the red light. Anyone can sing along. Yeah. Yeah, it's simple. The whole audience can join in. And they join in for more complicated stuff than that. I'm sure. That's, I'm sure. I've tried it before. Yeah, sometimes if, depending on how much you're, you know, how much of a Jacob Collier concert it is, at some point, you are the band. Some for some reason you're doing all the parts and Jacob Collier is just kind of direct. <laughs> for some it. reason you're doing it wrong also, and he needs to yeah. do it for a very long time. A very long time. <laughs> oh. uh, I think he's actually coming out with part four of Jesse in the near future. <sighs> That's great. Good for him. Yeah, 
I'm much less enthusiastic about it than I was in 2020, <laughs> though. In 2020, yeah, fucking a. Um, yeah, probably not going to listen to it unless there's a cover of another police song on it. I guess we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but at the end of this chorus, we get a oh, from Sting. <laughs> yep, he does a little moan. Sting. And that brings us down to it almost sounds like he enters verse two a little far from the mic or something or like his levels are just rising like it rises up he's a little mumbly yeah he does kind of mumble that eh yeah like he just realized like it it would almost be like he's looking at the bars on the recording studio and he's like starting off he's like oh i'm too far from the mic gordon 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 (laughs) we're starting call me sting (laughs) call me sting uh forgot his name was gordon i don't know if i ever knew that actually i don't think i did so it took a little detective work because i was like who the fuck is this gordon sumner guy who's credited with both vocals and bass (laughs) (laughs) they had a fourth member what (laughs) i'm like what did they had a guy just in the studio (laughs) sting was just the face that's right yeah he was he was just there for people to look at somebody pretty um uh verse two Pretty verse similar two. to verse one. Yeah, right? I, I couldn't find a difference. Did you find no, a difference? No, I think, no, I think, and given how early this is in the band's career, I I imagine it's just the same thing again. Yeah. I did, I uh, mean, the only yeah. difference, like, once we get into the next section, the pre-chorus, he gets a little saucier with those Roxanne's. Yeah. Roxanne. Like, really growls that out. Yeah. Uh, which is cool. Yeah, it's good. It's yeah, good. <laughs> or squawks, you know. However yeah, you interpret it's that, it's a bit of squawk. It's a bit of growl. It's a bit. Of, he's, he's animalistic. It's sting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, animalistic. Um, yeah. So he he does that. That's uh, kind of that part. But like, we really just do another verse, pre-chorus, chorus, and, and like chorus, the chorus, difference, chorus. I guess, is really after that yeah well like the chorus it plays and then it goes into the outro section and it kind of i said introduces more but i think that's just like i uh need to check what that actually is i think the drums change is really the, the thing. drums do change like the drums provide a lot of the extra life here when nothing else is doing anything and i would i would say especially in this outro everyone's just playing a little harder right like it's just that pure punk of like here's a little more oomph and everything yeah, and you got some like drum fills and stuff. Drum. The one I note is around like two fifty, where he like where hits it's, the tom. It's, yeah, he's just fucking. He just starts hammering it, and it like it kind of oh just yeah colors everything else. I guess right yeah. after that is where he hits the tom. But um, yeah, yeah, bump, 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 bump. Yeah. Oh yeah, he moves to those toms. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty sick. I like the drums on this. I think it and it what it does is even though like. Sting's vocals aren't changing much at that point. Having the drums change almost changes the emphasis of them. It makes them feel a little heavier or something. You're like, yeah, we're screaming still, and it's like it's more desperate or something. Yeah, it's just like it ups the energy just a little bit, even though the vocals like can't do much more, right? Mm -hmm. Like unless you want to really like wail, but maybe I don't know if that would be appropriate in this. Yeah, I don't know. Or they obviously didn't do it, so whatever. They obviously maybe they did because it's a fade out on this. So maybe Sting really cuts loose after the fade out, and they're like, "We can't. Nobody can ever hear this. <laughs> no one can ever hear this ever." <laughs> <laughs> have you seen the documentary Grizzly Man? No, I haven't. 
Oh, okay. There was a famous scene in it where uh, Werner Herzog, the director, he gets this audio clip of the the guy the documentary is about. He gets he gets killed by grizzly bears, and right. then he he like listens to it, and all we get to see is him listening to it, and then he like takes out his earphones. He's like, "You must never listen to this." <laughs> <laughs> and like, it doesn't play the audio. It does. Nobody has heard it. I guess it just shows him listening to it. Yeah, except What's Werner supposed and whoever to be? we got the tape from. So, Grizzly Man is about this guy, Tim something, who would go and live amongst grizzly bears. He was kind of like a grizzly bear advocate, but he right. wasn't like he wasn't like traditionally trained. He didn't have a, like a nature education or anything. He was just a guy who like liked grizzly bears. And so he would live amongst them and he's like, "Oh, bears are just super friendly." And eventually no, him and bears. his wife, they're bears. They were bears. Uh and so him and his wife go on a on a uh, on a camping trip, I was embarrassed that a bear unfortunately kills him. And but they had recording equipment on the site, so they had like some audio. So there was an audio recording of Tim being killed by this bear. It's like immensely grim, and so yeah. one of Tim's friends like gets their hands on it, and they're just like, "I don't like, I don't want to listen to it." And then Werner Herzog, Werner Herzog listens he's to like, it. I'll listen to it, and he listens to it, and he's like, "You must never listen to this." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that does actually sound grim. I I don't blame him for not putting that in the movie. It's this the sound of someone dying. Yeah, I get like yeah, oh, be, horrifically, uh, horrifically. Sound of two people dying because it was his wife too. Oh yeah. So. Ugh. All right, uh, good documentary, cool. but yeah, a fun joke in this moment. Now that I've had to explain it, it seems less fun. <laughs> <laughs> no one must ever listen to this. Um, Okay, but there's a music video. There's <laughs> there, allegedly there's two music videos. Two? I maybe found the second one. Okay, I was curious because I was, I mean, the Wikipedia article says there's a second music video. Citation needed. And like, Citation I couldn't find needed. it. I have what is essentially studio footage of them playing. They're just like in a soundstage playing it. There's yeah, like okay. Some, maybe that's it then. Because it that's, says maybe that's there's it. one on the song on a stage. And per, what is perhaps a sound check? And then... The second version is shown on the soundstage and shows the band performing before a red backdrop. Citation. Yeah, right. that's the thing is there's no red backdrop in this version. So hmm. I'm like, the backdrop, this one has like, the drums are on this like reverse pyramid stage. And like, there's a big, there's like a cartoon drawing of a car in the back. It's maybe, it's weird, but it's, is it the music video or is it a music video? Yeah, I don't know. There was also one I saw that was like official music video. It was definitely not. Yeah, it's a it fan like made one. Some I saw guy that as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the music video. I, this is also early days for music videos, right? This is seventy eight. Yeah. So this is. I mean, MTV didn't exist yet. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So, like, who were they making this for? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they were just having fun. Um. Yeah, it certainly was like easy enough for them to film. It's mostly like concert footage and maybe some like soundstage footage. Yeah, because I mean, the lighting makes it seem like it's got to be a soundstage or something, right? Like, I don't know, because you get these like real close ups of of the band members with like yeah, and you're not going to red get that. light and like very black background. Yeah. So you get that combined with some like behind the scenes stuff of them like in a dressing room, getting their makeup did, uh, and eating maybe a kind of fruit there, it looks like. <laughs> and like occasional freeze frames, similar to 
the Mickey video where there's like freeze frames that seem like they're not long enough. Yeah, it's like freeze frames into what end? There's the one. Let me see here. Is it at the 35 mark? Yeah, where he jumps into the air in slow mo. Yeah, they freeze frame it. We we cut to Sting and then we cut back. And then he drops back down. What's the time stamp on that, you said? Uh, go to 35 seconds. 35 seconds. Okay, yeah, yeah. The early one. Yeah, that's... It's <laughs> like, oh, he's in the air. Freeze frame. Sting. And back. back. And he falls. He's down. It's <laughs> like, yeah, it's like they're trying something. They're like, what if we make people believe that he's in the air for that long or something? We just need <laughs> to stop the video and it looks like he's flying. Wow. It looks like he's fucking flying, bro. And so it's it does seem to be like bare minimum like quote-unquote experimental where they're like i don't know we'll try some different shots yeah there's also a lot of um like slow-mo but not like standard frame rate slow-mo so it's like choppy yeah definitely they also do just like some real smash cuts at times around like 42 seconds here it'll be like sting drummer back to sting back to drummer back to sting it's like four oh, yeah, cuts like, in, the, in the span of two seconds. I wonder if it's supposed to be for like the drum hit, you know, like it when does he actually feel hits the like drum. it's trying to sync with like that. Syncing with the beat. I don't know if it does exactly. Almost does. Like the first two, it does. Dun, dun. Yeah. So but it's matching up want, with something. They want to show you hitting that last drum too bad. So it like fucks up the timing for the last switch. They're like, they want you want to see you hit that symbol. And so it's. Right. Timing's just a bit off there. Um, yeah, so there's that kind of stuff. And there's other, like, it's also, like, there's other performances of the song that don't seem to be this one. Yeah. Um, or at least another performance of just the band live. Um, yeah, so you get to see Sting jumping and, again, with, the, like, the choppy slow-mo. Yeah, so it's a bit of um, just kind of cobbled together. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, early early music video. It, it all like it doesn't really have a narrative um like to tell it's just kind of showing the band playing it so it's not that exciting uh yeah. it looks decent you know they got the lighting and stuff but uh yeah and it's interesting know. from like today's angle as like archival footage because you're like okay this is sting in the police circa 1970 yeah. 1979 that's kind of interesting but like, it's not like mind-blowing no Definitely not. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much it. That's that's all, all that's going on here. Yeah. It's a pretty basic music video. But hey, right on, guys. You made it. <laughs> you did okay. You did okay. And we're about to okay a conversation about covers. Beginning okay. of the year 1979 with Inga Rumpf. <laughs> Yes, German singer. Um, mm-hmm. When I looked them up, looked her up, she uh, was associated with a band called Frumpy. Yeah, it, it immediately redirects you to Frumpy on Frumpy, Wikipedia. Yeah. <laughs> uh, unless you go to German Wikipedia, in which case there's which actually case she gets an her own Rumpf, page um, entry. Uh, she's uh, yeah from Hamburg, I guess. Hamburg, yeah. She's, she's a hamburger. You're yeah. telling me a hamburger played this song? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, this definitely has... I mean, I 
It sounds more German. And what do I mean by that? I mean, it sounds like Ashes to Ashes by David Bowie. Okay. I can see that a bit. Yeah. And like the... Because first you get that kind of like synth, that like... Yeah. And then the... Is it that guitar tone? Is that a bit Ashes to Ashes? Yeah. Am I going to have my song wrong? I don't think so. No, I think you're right. I'm just... uh, It's like the slap pop bass thing going on i believe yeah that it makes me think of like boom yeah the intro to ashes to ashes oh yeah listening to the bass on ashes to ashes now which isn't of course as forward as the synth on ashes to ashes but yeah. yeah that boom, boom, ding. yeah the tone is definitely similar and then a bit of like boop, 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 boop. yeah that boop, 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 yeah, but this is like late 70s in Germany, so I'm like, yeah, there's probably some David... Like, so someone picked something up from someone else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, David Bowie was in Germany at the time, yeah. so like... At least was in Germany just a few years he prior. spent some time in Germany around this time, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's the bass. Um, yeah. What do they have in this one? They have that like kind of skankish guitar sound. It's a lot smoother, so there's like a few more strums and stuff. So it's even like yeah. less reggae um, sounding, even though the original doesn't sound all that reggae. Um, mentioned that bass. It kind of has the like, like a little bit of a, like bend sound to it too. Yeah, really steely, um, really bendy. Yeah, I, I looked up. Um, Inka Rumpf, of course, and her vocals mm-hmm. are described as unfeminine, uh, and her vo- vocals are quite gritty. Yeah, I'd say grit. You can hear that it's feminine at some points when she says. Yeah, I mean night. that's just probably an awkward um, German translation. translation. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, but that's what it said. But yeah, she's got that kind of rock and roll grit. Yeah. Um, it's it it, I mean structurally more... largely the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there's absolutely. some other stuff. I didn't mention the organ. There's an organ that comes in after the first. Yeah, there's an organ. Yeah. Um, like in production wise, it all sounds a bit more lo-fi, which gives mm-hmm. it a bit of character, I think. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just in terms of like production quality, like even the recording of her voice sounds a bit like it's just a little less slick in, yeah. in the production. Yeah, I can see that. Um. That said, I, I like I like the the kind of grit and edge on this. Me too. Uh, I, I do like mm. her vocals. Yeah, I think she's got a great voice. Um, they really highlighted in the chorus because they kind of treat the chorus as uh, like a breakdown almost because it's like just drums and her vocals. Yeah, and she really goes. Um, I was just listening to it, and I do hear I think what you mean uh, by lo-fi, mm. uh, mostly around the vocals I'm hearing, where it it just kind of has like that break up a bit. Yeah, almost like you're like just it's overloading like a it a little bit. Up tape or something. Yeah, yeah, or it's a little yeah strain in the tape. Yeah. Um. There's also okay, so I mean later on, like it does kind of uh, get some interesting. Like once you get into the second course in particular, kind of neat little mm-hmm. effects. Like there's organ fills and things. Um, I think yeah. drum fill definitely an definitely. organ fill. Um, you get an organ fill. You get a little those. like drum roll of some kind. But the other thing that happens at that point is it becomes like a disco song. Oh yeah, they kind of like double time it or something. Yeah, put on the red light. Um, and they get the harmonies there too. Right? Is disco the, right? <laughs> the right? I think it feels so. very about different like in the chorus, in the second chorus, or even yeah. like um, 
sounds a little bit like uh, uh, Hollywood Nights. <laughs> Those Hollywood Nights. Yeah, by um, by Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band. The Silver Bullet Band. Um, anyway, because it's just the drums, pop, 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 you know. Yeah, they just kind of like pick it up, and yeah, it does give it a different energy. Um, so that part felt very different to me. Mm-hmm. That's mostly like outro. That felt like a dance section, and we should all be wearing bell bottoms. That's how it felt to me, anyway. Yeah, I think you could get away with that with this one for sure. People would be like, "This is natural," because yeah, for that outro, it changes feeling quite a bit. So I thought that was that was a cool, cool change up. Um, and it's like a little bit like the beats, like like kind of triplets, like I mentioned. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so it's uh, I do the like arm, like you, know, you roll your hands around. Oh yeah. Disco move. I do that to to this part of the song for sure. Sure. Put on the red um, light. Put on the red. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's what they tucked in a yeah. little disco there. They're testing the waters. Yeah. So uh, pretty this. cool. Pretty cool version. Pretty cool. I noticed one uh, lyrical change at oh. the about one fifty six, so maybe like one fifty four, one fifty five. She says instead of it's a bad way, it's a harder way. Wait, hard way or hideaway? A harder, I think. Harder maybe. way. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I get that. And that's probably Which... a fairer statement, right? Yeah. Because like that, what, yeah, even what does... you were saying earlier, like yeah, this is probably dangerous. So you know. Exactly. So with yeah, with this version, she's a little more concerned for Roxanne's safety. At least she's like, listen, it's tougher out there. Mm-hmm. There's an easier way to get by. And I can provide it for you. I can provide it. Is that is this a proposition to become Roxanne's pimp? It's like, listen, it's tough out there, sweetheart. You need, some, you need somebody to protect you. Hmm. No, because he says you don't have to put on the red light, which implies no sex work at all. Because they operate entirely by phone. Um, no. <laughs> not really. Yeah, that's that version. And the last version that we talk about for quite a while. Yeah. Uh, to so people, there's like. According to secondhand songs, like 145 versions of this. Yeah, there's so many of them. And like, I would say probably 120 of those are some form of jazz or bossa nova. Ah. Yeah, <laughs> this seems to have a real like international um, fan base. Yes. Um, and why that, why that is, it's, it stings international vocals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everyone just believed that he was... He was uh, their nationality. He's like, yeah, he sounds whatever I am. Exactly. It's whatever I am, Sting is. I didn't think he was British, I'll tell you that. Um, and that's how he made yeah. his way into America, where in 2005, this song was covered by Fallout Boy. Yeah, I'd be curious how much was because like I'm looking at the covers and there's like there's a number before 2000, but um, then it was in Moulin Rouge, right? There's like the yes. Tango Roxanne Tango Roxanne thing. Tango in that definitely would have And I I don't know how much that would influence Fallout Boy. I know they were considered kind of theatrical, even mm-hmm. though they were maybe one of the less theatrical of the groups that got grouped that way. I don't know right. them very well, though, so I shouldn't say things like that. Hey, listen, anyway. I know their cover of We Didn't Start the Fire. <laughs> That's all I need to know, baby. <laughs> That's all I need to know. It's questionable. 
It's yeah, already a brilliant choice here to not try and rewrite the song. Yes, they didn't That's change the lyrics. Already uh, point that in I our noticed. favor. Um, yeah, I don't think they did. Yeah, Fallout Boy. Um, I think this all kind of fits the style of the time because I feel like what I remember uh, from this time period was there was a lot of like skin, like midriff, and it was very uh, shiny but also dirty. Yes. Um, so like shiny, skin dirty midriff <laughs> with a like high definition shiny midriff and that's what this song is it's a high definition shiny midriff yeah no, it's just like a little more gritty like kind of gritty sexuality yeah it's a little, a little more like so they they pick up the pace on it first is like the big change dan 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 yeah. dan you up the distortion element almost like london calling like intro yeah oh like 100%. He- heavy on the guitar dun, 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 dun. both a little bit of reggae influence Mm-hmm. Or at least the bands the... are known for having reggae influence. Yeah. You still get the same kind of basic intro. They do that dun 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 like, like a two-note on the bass. Get the drums in there hitting a little harder. So harder and faster is like the philosophy of this version. Um, yes, absolutely. At the cost of like the more technical drums of the original because we hit the verse and it's just uh, it's just chug on bass and guitar and then just some fast drums. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it really feels like the more more straightforward rock and roll thing, uh, and they're like going for like a heavier sound for sure, which I guess is yeah. the Fallout Boys sound. Um, and it's much more, I guess, like shouty overall. Yeah, um, it still has a fairly like the structure doesn't really change very much. No, um, it hugs pretty close. Yeah. Um. And then it adds, uh, like, it does a break, I call it a breakdown, maybe it's more like a bridge, or uh, just a musical interlude of some kind, um, where you get sort of a, very, like, very briefly, it sounds like they're going to go into a guitar solo, and then you get the, like, Oh, just after, like, the first chorus there? Is that what you're talking uh, about? I'm 208 is my timestamp. Oh, 208, so much further than that. After the other chorus. Okay. And then it kind of oh, like yeah. the, the the drums get heavy on the cymbals. This actually it lasts a little while. Yeah, and so you get like a, a sort of bridge. Yeah, or I guess it's a middle eight. Uh, I don't know. It's just instrumental too. So yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, kind of like generally feels more straightforward. You don't get mm-hmm. that reggae, even though they're not that strong in the original. You get like none of that, and like they go hard. It's like hundred percent. Like they don't really build because yeah, there's start no at the room top. for build. We start at the top, we go, and I think especially 2005, you knock this out at fucking Van's Warp Tour or whatever. <laughs> like boom, you got three minutes there of a classic played a little faster. That's gonna get the people going. Yeah, absolutely. The hair will be shaken. The hair will be shaken. The dirt is gonna hit the shiny midriff. Like and it's- then. One of the guys in that mosh pit is going to tell me how he got punched in the face at work the next day. I'm not at the concert. Damn. You're not at the. You're just hearing about it later from a guy. Yeah. You know a guy who went to van. Was it? No, it wasn't. It wasn't the van. I just remember I worked with a guy at the Stampede who like saw like Mariana's trench or something at the Coke stage. Oh, okay, and I was like, yeah. yeah, I got punched in the face in the mosh. He's like, mosh pit. In my, okay. it was years ago, so I don't remember how he was presenting it. But in my mind, he was kind of ragging at okay. the time. I was yeah, also like, probably thirteen or fourteen. So weird. Yeah. Anyway, 
That's I've a weird. Never memory. been punched in the face in a mosh pit. I have been inadvertently headbutted, but yeah, I, don't, I think what happened was people were flailing around and he got hit by a, a hand. I don't think he fought someone, but I don't know. I don't know. Who can say for sure? I just remember first time I was just in a mosh pit or near a mosh pit. Somebody grabbed my butt, and I was like, "Hell yeah, I must be looking good." And my friend was like, "They're just looking for your wallet." And I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> shit." Oh well. So much for my confidence. So much for my confidence, but I can say confidently it's time to move from 2005 to 2005 to talk about Sophia Essaidi. 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 You don't have to put on that red light. Those days are over. You don't have to sell your body to the night. Yeah. The- French Moroccan singer and actress, um, doing a sort of uh, what, like a orchestral version. It, it turns into an orchestral version. It, it starts does. out with just like a like piano. Yeah, it's very like symphonic pop, right? Yes. Um, she was on a talent show, Star Academy, which is kind of international and like pretty pop. But like, I actually she performed this on Star Academy. And I've Mm -hmm. seen that video, but it's a very different version. Yeah, it's using, as I understand it, because I watched that video and Greta started singing along, it's using the Moulin Rouge. Yeah, that makes sense based on her outfit. Yes. And so was it more of a... Could you do song or dance? Was it supposed to be singing and dancing? It's very dance performance focused. It seems very dance, especially especially that number. That's all I've seen of it, so... So we get something completely different from her her work on on Star Academy here. Yeah. Because yeah, boy, was I fucking confused. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> wait a second, I listened to the right track. What the hell's going on here? Something's wrong. Um, yeah. And it, so all right. So you, like you said, it's a uh, it's kind of got that orchestral thing, but it starts like low and slow, piano and yeah. vocals, kind of like moving into that like jazzy territory, like jazz pop thing. Yeah, very whispery um, vocals, um, yeah, sort of intricate piano. piano. It's really moving a lot around a lot. Yeah, doing I don't know chords and like notes chords, in between the chords. Some arpeggios in there. Yeah. Um, as she like softly sings that first bit. Once it gets into the pre-chorus, about a minute in, that's yeah. where we start to pick up. Like you get some extra drums and you get strings. What well, might yeah. be a weirdo. Some oh, kind of that, that chick, 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 chick. yeah, something that yeah, makes yeah, that yeah. sound. So that's about at forty-five seconds in, you get that, and that that's those uh, those string notes, those dun dun dun, um, sounds like like Ace Attorney. Ace Attorney, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know why that string sound sounds so Ace Attorney, but it does. The video game like, Ace Attorney the video sounds game like a Ace Game Attorney. Boy Advance. It sounds, but specifically, it sounds like the the Gyakuten meets, meets orchestra, yeah, like, courtroom suite. I have to listen to it today, and it's not on titles. So I have to go to fucking YouTube, and it's like, yeah, pretty close. But it is that like, dun dun dun. And so, yeah, it makes me think Ace Attorney for the rest of the song. Pretty. Hey, remember like four years ago when we talked about an Ace Attorney song? Yeah, we talked about Objection, 2001. Yeah, that's fun. That is fun. Um, but like even like the tone on these strings kind of reminds me of the, the orchestra arrangement 
from that Ace Attorney album. Yeah, it absolutely does have a similar sound in ways that I would need to think about, like what they actually are. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you kind of get that. Like, uh, there's one bit even where chorus like it's replaced with piano and strings, um, mm-hmm. and then like builds into an X verse after that. Um, and just let's, so there's a lot of build here. Like they have this whole like orchestra sound to work with, right? Yeah. They really play with like these moments of stillness, a bit of like, oh, here's just the strings and they're just like, they're coming to a stop and then they'll like hammer on the, like, that's how they get into verse two is like the piano then hammers in and it's like, we're coming in hot for verse two. So it's very dynamic. Mm -hmm. Her vocals stay fairly um, soft. Yeah. Despite everything. Uh, So it's never like really, really, really intense, Mm -hmm. but it does build quite a bit. Yeah, in the same way, like, the drums in the original provide a lot of energy, she's just instead doing, like, the whole band is providing that energy yeah. counter to the, the vocals. Yeah, there's quite a bit there. Um, and then, right at the end, the piano starts to, like, play more, and it gets this... I'm trying to find the right word for it. You know how the piano gets at the end? Yeah, it's... Like, dreamy, almost, like, floating, kind of. Yeah. Aspirational this, like, is a word I wrote down as well, which I don't tender, think fits anymore. It's, it does that run up. Like, <laughs> it's, uh, it's tucking us into bed is what it's doing. It's like, okay, you had the big intensity. Let's bring it back down to the start. Bam, yeah, right it's... at the end, mm-hmm. it does like that run up. Is that what you're talking about? Like, yeah, that's what I was talking about. Okay, and then he's da 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 da, and she goes, Roxanne. And then you're talking like about a little, a little earlier. Vocal. Yeah. Uh-huh. So you're talking more like 244 with this, uh, with the the keys. That was the section you were looking at. This uh, I think so. Yeah, it's got. Yeah. I'm sure. See, I'm caught yeah. up in it, but it has like some Ace Attorney drive to it. Like, there's a little mystery. There's a little like getting closer to the truth. There's a little activity behind it. <laughs> You're touching the touch screen. Yeah, she's singing softly. Yeah, this is the Ace Attorney version. That's this the- is the Ace Attorney version. I'm sorry, That's it's all I can I can really pull from it. I'll say this. Uh, pretty good. I I thought it was pretty good yeah. overall. Um, yeah, a pretty pretty solid arrangement. I think. It's engaging, and if I ever take Roxanne to court, this is what I'm playing. This is the version I'm going with. Okay. Um, but let's talk about sort of an unusual artist here. Uh, in 2010, yeah. we've got Sting. Roxanne, you don't have to put on the red light. Those days are over. You don't have to sell your body to the night. Roxanne. Yeah, some guy called Gordon. Um, <laughs> Gordon Sumner. Yeah, Sting, the man himself. Uh, doing. The, I thought this was live at first, but it is not. Um, doing like a symphonic version. In fact, the album itself is called Symphonicities. Symphonicities. Little little uh, pun on a on a police album there. Album Synchronicities. Uh, pretty good. Pretty good Sting. Yeah. All right. Um, um listen he says this he told somebody once i sing roxanne every night there's always a little inflection that is new or a possibility that opens it out it's not my job to reproduce a record that was made 30 years ago i use that and i respect that but it's only a template it's that jazz mentality use the head of the song just as a starting point 
Sting is not known for not being pretentious. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, but fair enough. I mean, obviously, that's the sort of thing you want to do in a performance, right? Is add a little yeah. something else. Because um, I imagine somebody probably asked him, like, do you still like singing Roxanne every night? He's like, well, I don't really it's not do the same. the same thing every yeah. night. And it's like, well, that's true. Um, and I mean, that's true here, too. Uh, this is kind of... he really doesn't do like in his performance the same delivery at all right like he's no. singing much more smoothly uh in his vocal quality which i have to imagine is like better for your vocal health um oh, but also yeah. makes the whole thing like quite soft he's not doing those like stops and lurches and the accent thing we talked about the non-specific accent yeah and he's he's removed the toughest singing part that chorus you don't get it until like kind of right at the end. He does like, yeah. a little version of it. Yeah, and he does jump up at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, and he kind of sounds like some old school Sting. But yeah, yeah, you get not. like a taste of the old, the, the the young Sting. Yeah, the older Sting. The older young Sting. Yeah. Young. <laughs> That's fun. And we really get the what seems to be returned to that. Uh, to me, it sounds like I'm not, but it sounds like tango rhythm. Okay, I did. I wasn't paying attention to the rhythm. Well, it gets these kind of hand drums in there around like twenty. It sounds, and maybe bum, it's just bum, the bum, tones bum. of the instrument. Yeah, like, it yeah, does have a tango similar to this. But now it's on like a timpani and a whatever. Yeah, because <laughs> um, he's got the whole orchestra, and there's some cool. Yeah, like uh, I really like the the. There's some nice woodwinds that come in and strings, and and there's a harp that comes in fairly early on. Yeah, um, there's even like a classical guitar doing. Like, like yeah, playing on the backbeat. I'd believe that is Sting playing that. Oh, that makes sense. I think it's I a watched, classical guitar. Maybe it's just an acoustic guitar. It's um a classical guitar. You play really high up, right? Like yeah. you hold it high up. Yeah, it's that's. I've seen a video of him performing with oh, okay. an orchestra. I don't know if it was specifically this performance, but he's up there with the guitar. I'm like, okay, that's that's Sting's thing. Yeah. Uh, fair enough. That is Sting's thing. Sting's um, thing. <laughs> And uh, what else is there? I guess there's a lot of, like, they have the orchestral build from the strings. That's where most of that comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they even, he redoes the second half of the second verse. Yeah, that's right. A second time. <laughs> to say second, a second time. A second, a um, second time. And, uh, okay, I didn't mention the second verse as a marimba. I wanted to mention that because it's a marimba. Mention the marimba. Tell me um, about that. And that's fun. And I'm just listing elements right now, but, like, there's a lot of stuff in there. And it's all, it's you know, very orchestral rich. stuff. And uh, it's a pretty solid arrangement. It, it's, uh, to, to compare it to a version we talked about two weeks ago with a very similar name by a different band, Rosanna, uh, by Toto, there was a version similar to this, an orchestra backing one of the singers from Toto. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, kind of like same criticisms or same notes, rather. It's like it's much richer in sound, um, although there's a lot more changes to the composition with this version than with that version. Absolutely. Because that was like following the template much more mm-hmm. closely. I also get the feeling like in that case, it was the orchestra that did their thing and they hired the guy because they're like, we can get him. He can sing for us. Yeah. They're like, Whereas this doing- is Sting, like, I need an orchestra. <laughs> Yeah, he's you like, know? yeah, this is Sting going and being like, my songs need this. We need a whole orchestra for Roxanne. And uh, yeah, I mean, it works. 
So yeah, it works. There you go. We like move down and get some like violin soloing at like the one fifty nine mark. Uh, yeah, kind of. There's like a whole instrumental section around there. There's like some clarinet in there as well. In between after he does the verse and before he comes back in with the repeat of the second verse. Yeah, it does kind of raise the question besides the fact that it's Sting putting this together. Like, why is it Roxanne? Why is it Roxanne? Because it sounds like completely different. That is a good question. You'd <laughs> yeah. probably have to ask Sting. Or and his good like friend a Gordon. Bit of, yeah, as Fred Gordon as man behind the scenes. Because there is like, I get some of the tenderness, a little that, like there's a little sexual energy in what I'm calling this tango rhythm on here, you know, a bit yeah. of dance to it. Um, yeah, does it, and he removes the big, kind of the emotional core of the original is the the chorus, this screaming of put on the red light. And, and it's just so not it's, there. It, this is more like... There. Yeah, well, I guess, I don't want to say defeated, because it doesn't really sound defeated. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a different approach to it, for sure. It's a different tone. Yeah, maybe a bit more, like, tense, or, like, understated with a yeah. large orchestra. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just a, just a question. I don't really have an answer to it. I do have an answer to the question, who's our next cover? And that answer is um, Massimo Scalici, Scalici, 2013. Roxanne. Have to put on the red light. Those days are over. You don't have to sell your body. I don't know. He's not Italian, though. No, he's right? uh, Spanish, I think. He's Spanish, so yeah, I don't know how they pronounce their, their CIs. He's a composer. He's a dude. High voice. High voice. Um. Yeah, I think this is where we start getting to some of the more like this is Moulin Rouge influenced more directly. Yeah, this definitely has the Moulin Rouge element to it. Um, especially once you get into the uh, music video. Oh, for sure, yeah. Um, but, another version yeah. opening with strings here. Yeah, and it's got the more like Mediterranean sound, I guess, like Spanish sound. But yeah, we we like very specifically get Spanish guitar in there, yeah. which uh, I think is Super also the strong point of this version. Is just that that guitar sound? Yeah, because there's por- parts where it'll just like let that thing go off, or it's like band and a little band and a little band. Yeah, it had, there's like dance breakdowns with just that guitar. Yeah, and that rips. I think that's very cool. Yeah. Vocally, I'm not like like you said. He's a bit higher. I'm not crazy about his vocals. They're his in voice. that kind of like pop range, but that's fine. They're pretty high up. Yeah, sounds yeah sounds pretty good. Um. Other things they have, uh, hand drumming. Yeah. I like the rhythm on this. Pretty cool rhythm. Yeah. Um, and then I, I, I'm assuming like a string quartet. There's definitely strings. Not like as many as the orchestra, though. For mm-hmm. sure. Um, and like there's a bit um, in the pre-chorus where they come in and like start to play on the backbeat. That's yeah. Dun, dun. Um, there's also like this additional melody on the back on the pre-chorus. Right. That might be a synth. Let me see. Oh, yeah, I can hear that. Yeah, I'd say that's a synth. Yeah, in 2013, it's more likely a synth than not. Yeah. Anyway. Um, He also uh, skips the chorus, doesn't he, on this one? 
until does it come in later? Um, I'm not sure. I don't. Right. Does, no, no, he does. He just does the pre-chorus. He goes pre-chorus, and then it's boom straight into verse two, where we then get this new rising pattern on the strings. This dun 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 dun. Right. And I think, I mean, I think that makes sense just because, I mean, you could adapt it, obviously, but one, there's not much to the chorus. Like, cutting it doesn't lose really much. Um, And if you're adapting it to another genre, the rest of the song feels like it's, like, richer to adapt versus the really, like, straightforward guitar chugging part. Yeah, chugging, screaming. Like, it's, you. yeah, you either need to cut it severely, cut it out entirely, or find a way to rework that into your, yeah. you know, Latin pop song or your orchestral arrangement, and that's what? maybe not doable. Yeah, well, I mean, or at least a lot more effort than the rest of the song. And I'm also yeah. wondering if this is more uh, um, Moulin Rouge influence. I didn't check that version out. So I'm like, did they cut it out in that? Yeah, I'm not sure. And is that what influenced this? I'm not 100% sure. Or did they hear symphonicities with Sting? They hear symphonicities, yeah. Um, So yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, Like you said, there's kind of those like dance sections that are just like the guitar focused. Um, And then later on, because there's like two or three of those. And then yeah. later on, there's like some ad lib Spanish lines uh, yeah. in the dance section. You get some like "I mommy." It's some "I like mommy." That. He says some other. I like. I picked it up in the music video, and I forget what he said, but it's some pretty. You can pretty much from contest text work out what yeah. he's saying. But yeah, you get like some Spanish ad libbing. Um. Yeah, pretty good vibes on this cover. Yeah, okay. I think so too. It's like this it's like nine. fun. I said like a bit jazzy, but maybe it's more like like this cabaret theme thing. Yeah, um, maybe or like I tango, I guess. Um, but there is a music video. There is, uh, and it's like um, it's or there like will a stage be play at first once this Canadian Tire ad finishes. <laughs> Alex, you're not on a three month trial for YouTube Premium. <laughs> come on, come on. <laughs> See you in four months. <laughs> uh, well unfortunately i'm on month three of my three month trial so I'll see you in march <laughs> uh youtube premium no i because yeah they're not letting me use my i can't use my ad blocker anymore anyway Dang youtube God. youtube uh so yeah we get this smoke that blows out at the start and it like it's yeah it's like it extended kinda, right yeah the music video is like 445 uh yeah. so there's like an in extended intro at this like cabaret place yeah um, it's very much meant to be like a seedy cabaret slash brothel yeah um there is a bit of west side story in here a bit of moulin rouge a bit of just like just generic horny dancing <laughs> that's like the <laughs> main rule they're dancing. like it's gotta be horny <laughs> yeah it's like hey mission accomplished guys make it dimly lit yeah, and Every, uh, like corsets. all the women look like they're in a yeah, like they're in a burlesque performance wearing their corsets. Yeah, um, and I think some of the men are supposed to be dancers too. I don't know, or they just all have the like white shirt, black suspender combo. Yeah, ease. in terms of story, it's very unclear. There's a lot of like implication, not a lot of like true actual hard facts. It, is there given. actually a pole? Like the pole dancing? Pole. Hmm. Hard to say for sure. There might be. There's a lot of there's one dude who's always getting handsy with who who I believe is meant to be Roxanne. Yeah, or at least like the main character of this. Or why wouldn't it be Roxanne? Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so there's some definite, like, accosting, and that's kind of what we establish in the intro. The dancers are def like, they're definitely dancers, right? They're doing, like, stretches and dancing yeah. and uh, stuff like that. But dancing is also sex. Ooh. It's certainly Careful candy. now. Watch and out. then there's a bit where, like, people are throwing... So, like, there's gambling as well. So, you see people throwing dice. And yeah, things. you get a shot of dice being thrown. I think that's the last mention of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, whoa, red dice. You're like, all right. It's a, it's a gambling den, too. Illicit activities are going on here. And the one we yeah. can show is gambling. <laughs> Pretty uh, much, yeah. Yeah. So, and then you kind of get the dancing and gambling, and then it shows like various activities at whatever this place is. Yeah. Um, intercut with like once he starts singing, shots of the singer of Massimo. Yeah. Him singing wearing his little, what, what kind of hat is that, Alex? Flat cap, yeah. And since everyone else is so uh, kind of fallout boy esque, you know, greased up. And, and showing midriff greased up and dirty it's like they cut to him and he just kind of looks like lin-manuel miranda and you're like, yeah. oh. <laughs> all he's right. a little out of place they're all like professional dancers and he's just like this guy yeah a professional singer but it's a different look it's, uh, it's for sure a different look and even just like lit differently <laughs> i guess so he's got more like back lighting or front lighting um, he's got lighting he's got light He's in the sh he's in the like scene sometimes though as there's like sometimes. various like drama happening with the dancers and then they go into those dance sections and then they'll do like all the women are dancing all the yeah. men are dancing It's sections. my problem with this music video I think is that like the whole lead up of the first like minute and a half two minutes feels like it's supposed to be building up tension to something but it's mostly just a lot of random scenarios. You got like one corset woman showing right. her leg to another corset woman, guys pretending to gamble, uh, guys passing each other money, um, some meaningful looks from one guy who I think goes on to get kind of rough with Roxanne, but there's no like consequence to that. Yeah, but it's like also a different person than was in the intro, right? Yeah. So I don't know what that means. We're um, all Roxanne on this blessed day. That's yeah. what it means. So there's definitely some like violence in this. Hey, I forgot Roxanne. to mention, he, he sounds like he says, so put you on your makeup. Yeah. It sounds, I couldn't quite make it out. But it sounds which, strange. Which I understand is because English is not his first language. Yeah. But it is a little funny to be like, Roxanne, you don't have to do this. I know my mind's made up, so put on your sex worker makeup. It's like, well, hang on a second. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah. What thing are we doing? Roxanne. Sorry, I'm Roxanne. watching the outro section. And then, yeah, once you get to the outro, there's actual co-ed dancing. Oh, I hey, Alex, now I just discovered what kind of version this is because I looked at the YouTube title. It's a bachata version. Bachata. And, and that's a, a genre of music that originated in the Dominican Republic in the 20th century. Oh. Contem contains elements of European, mainly Spanish music, indigenous Taino, and African musical elements, oh, representing okay. the cultural diversity of the Dominican population. Yeah, So that's okay. what's going on here musically. I didn't know. That's cool. Well, should have looked that up ahead of time. I should have looked at a title for a YouTube. I know, video. right? I was like, Bachata. <laughs> that's probably a name. Yeah, uh, I, I was like, K-Roxanne Bachata. It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it feels very Moulin Rouge, this video. It feels a bit just like, hey, let's hire some dancers have them dance in suggestive manners and just kind of imply that maybe there's a story there. Yeah, it's very like implied but also kind of repetitive and maybe that's the point. I don't know. 
Yeah. They're like, I, look, I it's happening to dangerous. multiple women. And you're like, yeah, that is a problem. That is a problem. <laughs> Maybe we should talk about this. But then, uh, it's, yeah, it's uh, kind of all over the place, but hits the general vibe of the song. Um, but that's that one, Alex. Here's a different one. Facundo Arana in 2014. You don't have to put on the red light. Oh, those days are over. Yeah. Argentine actor and And musician. musician. It's kind of like, he's like the doctor house of Argentina. (laughs) What <laughs> the the you know Hugh Laurie? Oh, yeah, he's the Hugh Laurie of Argentina. Okay. Um, he's won. Let me tell you this, Alex. Quite a few Martin Fierro awards, which uh, are Argentinian, like maybe either Grammys or like Oscars Junos. or like Globals or like Junos. Yeah. Yeah, I believe that Martin Fierro awards. Huh, that's cool. So he's not he's not just fucking oh, this around. This is for acting here. though. Oh, it's for acting. Yeah. Anyway, so, so maybe he's primarily an actor. It says actor maybe. and musician, so I think he's primarily an actor, but I don't know. That makes um, sense to me. Um here he's primarily a jazz crooner, yeah. jazz growler, even. <laughs> yeah, and his voice is like so gravelly in this one. But you also get, yeah. you know, your slow piano and the drums have like they're like brushed. Yeah. Um there's also like the guitar's just kind of like noodling around. That's what it sounds like to me, anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's jazz, but I'm also like the guitar's just like doing its own thing. It is like it's almost like TV jazz because we don't get a lot of the like overwrought solos or anything on this. You get yeah. just kind of the classical elements of like brushed drums, some piano chords with a tone that sounds jazz, a walking bass line, and yeah, yeah noodling guitar. And he just says this, you don't have to wear that dress tonight, a little slow. And he's just like so gravelly sounding. So gravelly. I think that is my favorite feature of this is how gravelly his voice is. I think it's a good sound because it almost has mm-hmm. that like lounge feeling to it. Like this is cigarette soaked. Yes. Stained like as, as much as possible. Yeah. <laughs> Which it definitely f- gives, adds to the aesthetic. Yeah. It feels really gritty. It feels like he is bemoaning a Roxanne who's walked away. It's it's good yeah yeah it's a cool i mean i guess we said he's more of an actor this feels more like acting right like yeah it brings the creating, act it's he's like putting on the 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 creating the scene yeah he's created a character through his vocals and the instrumentation and that's something and uh, it's backed yeah. up by a saxophone solo, which saxophone who am I to yep. say no to that? Yeah, I'm not going to say, especially like this sax has a pretty good sound to it. Yeah. Um, I have the wrong timestamp because... Because um, you're a fool. It's around like fool. 140, 145 okay. maybe. I think sometimes title gets a little out of sync. And I know I've seen Spotify do it before, where if you jump around a lot, it's like off. Mm. So yeah, you like I've jump to Yeah, so you like look at the time and it's actually not right. Yeah. But yeah, pretty pretty decent little slow sax solo. Um, but yeah, not like the most exciting uh, like jazz sound. I think pretty straightforward, like lounge slow. Yeah, lounge straightforward jazz, lounge. Right? But like you know, it works. And then his big like addition in this very like 
classic lounge jazz thing is around 340 ish maybe a little before that when he starts this baby don't put it on yeah and just says that a lot baby don't put it on yeah the red light that is that is yeah baby don't put it on yeah that's just sort of like ad lib i guess yeah and they kind of just like fade out from there after he says it a couple times it's yeah, it's a pretty, like, hearing it, you're like, oh, yeah, this is classic this, like, this lounge genre. So, if you like that, you're going to like this, and I think his vocals are pretty good for it. Yeah, I tend to agree. Well, I'm sure you'll agree, then, that this next cover is our last cover. Oh, I certainly will. Uh, Cuneo in 2015. Roxy. Cuneo, yes. Off of uh, Back Alley Soul is the name of the album. Back Alley I Soul. I thought that was interesting. I don't That's know why. A good, a good title for an album that has Roxanne on it. A little Back yeah. Alley in there. Um, um, his big claim to fame, according to him, yep. is that someone once called him the spawn of Freddie Mercury and Janis Joplin. Yeah, I don't know exactly why Janis Joplin. I guess he's got a higher voice. He seems to have... Like, I think the range is mostly what he's going for. Yeah, maybe he just looks like Janis Joplin. Like a bald Janis Joplin. Like a bald Janis Joplin. <laughs> I often have been called that, even though I have hair. <laughs> it's, um, it's a strange thing, but <laughs> I yeah. get it all the time. But yeah, I see, like, he calls it soul music. I definitely might have said, like, funk. Uh, because it yeah. kind of sets up, like, funky little guitar rhythm and, like, gets the drums going and kind of sticks with that like groove for a long time. It, it is precisely funk. And this guy is a regular collaborator with Scott Bradley. Yeah. Scott Bradley. And his postmodern juke box, which I place in the same sort of ilk as uh, your scary pockets and your pumple right. moose and shit like that. And that is the style of funk we're getting here. Yeah, for sure. Um, the, I guess instrumentally otherwise, there is like the bass part, I think is fairly close actually to the original because just like the ba-da-dum, ba-da-dum, you know, yeah. that kind of sound. Um, and then his voice is quite high. Like I said this before, but I was a little bit, I, I, I was like, oh, it's a duet when I first heard it. Oh, uh, yeah. No, it's, it's, all, just him. it's all just him. Yeah, he definitely hits like a pretty high range and he's got a bit of that funk like kind of like you know, a little little extra sass in there, a little pizzazz, whatever you want to call it. Soul, I think we call that. We call that soul. Is that is that what is that, is that what Billy Joel was talking about? Yeah, that's what he's talking about. <laughs> um, yeah, he's got a bit of that going. My, I think my problem with this version, I think the funk elements work for the most part. I think we just need to stop doing this kind of like minimalist funk and start doing some maximalist funk when we get to that funk. chorus. Yeah. Okay, yeah, interesting. More like horns or something, because this does have yeah, horns on horns, it. horns, or like it just like hitting things it. harder. Like, funk can go so much harder than this. It can, and this kind of slows it down even. Yeah, and just like, he's one of the ones who actually does include the chorus. And I think, you know, take on that chorus with some energy rather than just being, just kind of like, being like, we're going to be smooth in the chorus. It's like, okay, that's fine, but like, let's be big. Let's make it bigger yeah interesting yeah i don't know um that's I, I i guess maybe that's just like your own funk 
funk preference do you think yeah i just hate this kind of bullshit funk man i'm yeah, just fair enough. listen listen if you like that funk it's bullshit i'm sorry bro no <laughs> it's it's never done it for me and i don't think it brings uh the best out of this song in particular roxanne i'm sure there's times when you want funk to be cold as ice the whole time through i don't think this is the time for it okay i see that uh, that's what I'm suggesting. But you, you love this chorus. You're, you're a big Cuneo believer. I don't know if I'd say I'm a Cuneo believer. Um, but I, I'd put it in like a, a similar category as like a solid uh, translation to maybe like a Sophia S.I.E.D. Okay. Yeah, I, I would say like I'm, I think the verses are good. I like the funk guitar there. I like something like the drums and elements there and even his vocals. Like it's working there. I just think we need to hit that chorus better. She Sophia does maybe a little more with it. So that's not exactly the right comparison. But listen, Sophia takes us; she transports us to the courtrooms of Japan, California. Courtroom, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, what else is going on here? I believe it's a trombone solo. Yeah, um, I was like brass. I don't know what kind. Yeah, I only say trombone because you can hear it slide around a bit. So, I thought trumpet at first, though. Yeah, I wasn't crazy about the solo. Yeah, it's okay. It's not it very feels, like groovy, you know. Yeah, it's like not it very groovy, it. and it feels detached again from like whatever their concept of Roxanne is. It all feels a little detached, a little like it's not hitting anything. But me, I come down hard on funk. You know, I'm a, I'm a harsh man. A functionado. That's me. <laughs> That's you. You are a functionado. Um, not really. Um. Yeah, you, but that's... You, I guess you could say I'm more form over function. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just drags too much in the chorus. That's all I have to say about this one now. Anything <laughs> else, Alex? Yeah, no, not really. Again, I just like, yeah, it's a decent decent groove, decent little uh, version. Decent, uh, I don't know if I'd say it like, transcends anything. Fair enough, Alex. Let's see. It's time for us to transcend. How's that for a segment? It's a, it. You know, it's a good segment when I have to change halfway through. <laughs> I'm like, nah, what about this? Uh, our final verdicts. We got three categories today. The worst version, the best version, and the most convincing version. Who is going to get through to Roxanne with their plea? Hmm. That's okay. our three categories today, Alex. Let's start with the worst version. What is it? Let's start with the worst version. What's the worst version? of this song i didn't think any of them were like really bad fair yeah i think there's a pretty like good standard here established so i'm like trying to think i mean i almost feel like just for me because it's like the least interesting one fallout boy again don't think it's bad yeah i was just like yeah okay they did the rock and roll thing but they didn't really do much with it it's kind of even and just distorted guitars i don't know yeah yeah. but i think it's perfectly fine yeah i think yeah fallout boy is perfectly fine and i think listening to myself and which ones i complain the most about the the obvious answer is cuneo right and like i don't i don't even think it's like the it is the worst out of these i'm giving it that but i don't think it's a a crime against humanity or whatever (laughs) i just don't think it's that good yeah i think it could use a second take alex what's the best version of this best version i think my favorite was probably inga rump i like that approach i like that sound you know little little 
Bowie memories in there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she's got a cool delivery as well. And uh, yeah, I liked it. Yeah, I think for liking all the elements, and I, the first time I put on this playlist, the Inga Rump version went, and I was like, I guess we can just call it there, because like, that kind of <laughs> ripped. It was, oh, it was really, I liked her vocals, um, I liked the elements in it, I like the lo-fi kind of recording style, which is maybe just coincidence, but it, it gives it a little extra grit, a little bit of a unique identity. Yeah, I like that one a lot. I think Inga Rump has got it, Alex. Yeah, but there we go. who's going to convince Roxanne to get off the streets? Who's going to do it? Who's going to do it? Um, I think it's got to be uh, Sting. I think he, after a few decades, he figured it out. I don't think the oh, original yeah. would work. No. But uh, he's a little more understanding after, after a while. He's learned. Right. This is a man who's come back at it. And, you know, uh, 40 years down the line, Roxanne is still working the streets. Probably easier to convince her at that point, too. <laughs> She's like, yeah, I should probably retire anyway. She's like, I was honestly going to. <laughs> you got me. Um, I'm going to go for more of like a Pied Piper approach. I think Massimo can, just through the power of that guitar, lure her away from the streets. <laughs> kind of just like get her dancing and then like keep taking the guitar just a little further away, a little further away from the streets. Boom. Next thing you know, she's just out in the suburbs. She's got a picket she's fence. Out. She's done. That's how they're going to do it, folks. <laughs> <laughs> that does it for our final verdicts. If you've got a similar opinion, different opinion, want to talk to us about a version we didn't talk about, hit us, hit, hit us, hit us. Just find us and hit us on the app formerly known as Twitter. Uh, hashtag cover me pod at Jake the Cressy. Yeah, some Alex Wise guys. Send us your comments, questions, concerns, suggestions for future episodes. You can also email those to us at cover me pod at gmail.com. Talk to us there. Uh, be sure to rate and review us. We're on Spotify, Stitcher. We're not on Spotify. We are, but I don't like to talk about them first. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on YouTube Music. We're on Amazon Podcasts. Your favorite podcasting app. We're on Podjurama. We're on Podbean. We're on Pocket Casts. We're on <laughs> all the dang apps. Check us out there. Uh, tell you, tell everyone you know, man. Tell your friends, f- family, neighbors, loved ones, what you can do for us this week. Is kind of just, uh, I guess, yeah. What you can do is actually, so a lot of people, you know, sex workers these days work in all varieties of contexts. What you can do this week is kind of get in contact with sex workers in your life and just send through the episodes to them. Like, you know, if you're watching their, their, their live cams or whatever you're doing, listen, I don't know what all the hip kids are doing these days to, to engage with sex workers, but just, just slip the podcast into the old communications. And yeah, get us into that sphere of the world because I, I don't think pro sex work summer got us there, but hey, maybe this will. <laughs> <laughs> the memory of pro us. sex work summer is a bit stale at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it was tasteful and it's still tasteful now. Uh, that does it for today's episode of Cover Me. And as we always say on Cover Me, cover me. You don't have to put on the podcast. <laughs> don't tell them that. <laughs>